0: I'm Greg Daller-Coltman. Welcome to Ellipses Thinking, a podcast dedicated to exploring the nature of the creative journey in process. If an ellipses builds the perfect bridge from where we have been and are now to where we're next meant to be, then what intrigues me most lives between those three tiny dots. Recently, I sat down while waiting for a haircut and absentmindedly picked up a magazine beside me. It was a copy of Folk Life, a beautifully curated publication here on the West Coast, which I randomly opened to an article titled A Weaving of Traditions by Lena McKenzie. My eyes landed on the words magical and mystical as descriptors for both the what and the ways of knowing that Lena learned and has since held as truths since childhood. And the moment I read, we did not believe everything we saw, we did not dismiss everything we could not see. I was compelled to meet this person. It was one of those strange vibrations in life where I knew that I was meant to have sat down in that salon, to have opened to that page and to have felt an immediate connection. In Lena's words, she inherited a fabric of beliefs woven by generations of women a fabric that tells stories of not just one family line, but a constellation of them. Her memories of the special bond forged between her mother from the Philippines and her paternal grandmother from Minneapolis speak to a powerful wisdom co-created by a shared desire to embrace all there was to learn. A proud Filipina Canadian, Lena's roots are in classical music, having studied voice in the Philippines before embarking on a professional career that has included TV, film, musical theater, and concert halls as soloist and as a member of Asia's premier classical crossover trio, the Opera Bells. In 2020, after spending a decade performing around the world, Lena found home on Salt Spring Island off the coast of Vancouver Island. Here she has found herself with the time, and reflective space to return to her love of song, writing, and recently released her first EP, Finding North, an ethereal reflection of her complex cultural background. When I got home from that salon, I immediately reached out and was thrilled to have Lena accept my invitation to this conversation. Welcome and thank you for joining me.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. That was a lovely intro.
0: (laughs) Well, I I mean, it was was just this powerful chord that was struck. And, you know, as I said in that introduction, I felt such a strong alignment between the words I was reading in your story and the curiosity that has led me in these conversations about living fully in a creative life. And um, for me, it, it connected to the power of listening beyond the spaces of what we think we know I loved your powerful acknowledgement of the fabric, and I want to talk more about that and the ineffable energy that binds us. And I just I couldn't help but imagine a lovely conversation uh, to have with you about the spaces between the ellipses we live in. So, can we just start by telling telling me what brought you to to write and to share this very personal piece of your family story?
1: Um. I guess that uh, probably has several layers to it. I started writing that piece several years ago actually. Sort of the beginning was just almost like a journal entry that I had kept um one that I had written one night randomly as a way of preserving certain stories and certain memories that I had from my childhood. Um and I just decided one day during the pandemic, I just decided to expand on it when I started exploring more of my uh creative writing and And then I submitted it to this beautiful magazine folk life and they they liked it and they wanted to extract more from me with the story and so that's when I really started expanding on it and A lot of it had to do this expansion of the story and the sort of weaving of cultures that I express. Had to do with the fact that I had just recently um, moved to Canada, having lived in the Philippines or in Asia, around Asia for the over a decade, and so it was. I was doing a lot of um, absorbing and observing and digesting of of my environment and trying to understand what it was and how I could fit in and how I could bring parts of me and absorb parts of my environment. So that was a big part of it It was, it is my history, but it was also what was happening to me in that present moment was that combining of cultures and and elements.
0: Have you always been this reflective?
1: Yes, I think so.
0: (laughs) And again, it's that it's, it's, I think that as we talk, when we first talked, it was evident to me that 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 sense of, of I, I want to say circling back, but every time I say back, it feels like backwards. So when I say that, that's not what I mean. It's just that scooping back, you know the the image of weaving and that sense of the loom of getting to one end and then and then coming back through and and it it, it contains all. That has been laid in, but it is a new image in and of itself, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that I think that's the beauty of that metaphor for, for me. One of the lines that that uh, jumped also uh, f- from your writing and resonated was was something that you quoted uh, as a memory quote of your grandma Beverly's, when you said she had never done a lot of things, but she liked to dream. And I guess I'm curious, what were you remembering in in that? What comes forward for you?
1: Well, she – I mean, I. it's easy to explain it in a literal sense. She had a lot of dreams in a very literal sense. And if you read the story, there are lots of – she had sort of premonitions that came to her in her dreams or she had people come to her in her dreams. So that was a literal expression of that. Um, but in sort of a more uh, figurative sense, she – wasn't a person that had experienced a lot of things in her own life because she hadn't traveled a lot. She didn't have a big career. Uh, Most women didn't during that time, Mm -hmm. but um, she was able to connect with things that were very different from her or from her experience. And she was able to genuinely open herself up to that in a way that I thought was really special And um, it's, there's a lot of tension now between sort of ideas and viewpoints and cultures and um, ideologies. And in a weird way, we are more connected than ever, but also it feels like we are less able to connect with someone who has a different point of view from us. And that was what I thought was very unique about her was that, she came from a position where she didn't know a lot about um, different parts of the world and hadn't experienced a lot of different things, but she was very open to it. Mm-hmm. And,
0: and curious.
1: And curious, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. You tell the story of the dream she had um, before your, your grandfather and grandmother returned from Canada back to the Philippines can you just share that with us now that 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 moment of um of her of her powerful dream that said no i i think that that you're supposed to be married and
1: you're supposed to be oh to you're stay. referring to my mother yeah. and father and how they um oh yeah. yes yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah so she my parents were supposed to wanted to sorry wa- they wanted to get married in Canada just to summarize it really quickly they wanted mm-hmm. to get married in Canada but they were told they couldn't um someone had mistakenly told them that my they couldn't without my mother having a residency so they decided to just go for a visit and a couple of days before they were supposed to fly back she had a dream where her late father my grandmother's late father um came to her and said the office or whoever they spoke to had made a mistake you have to call them right away and And sort it out, and so that's what she did. So the next morning, or the next available morning, she called them, and they had indeed made a mistake. And so my parents got married um, the next day, I believe.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. uh, Well, that's that's how it came to me. And of course, I I, I, you're you're talking to a hopeless romantic, so I mean, to me, that was that was was (laughs) this was the stuff of dreams. It's it it was beautiful. It's but again, the the fact that there was there was enough. Acknowledgement and trust—that's something that comes to us in a dream—is as potent and important to hold on to as uh, as the truths that we think in our waking moments are are, are really what should should be our signposts. So I just love that.
1: How do dreams yeah, flow? Right. I mean, I think it, I think a lot of us have a hard time trusting our gut and our instincts mm. and and things that come to us in forms such as dreams. It is difficult to distinguish between what sort of a, a weird brain moment that we have in our in our dreams, and sort of an instinctual gut feeling.
0: So, which leads me into the 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 question about you and your own trusting of your guts, your instinct, or or dreams. Do, do they do you find that they float through your own life and 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 inspire you creatively?
1: Yes, they they definitely do. Um, it is. hard hard, as I mentioned, to distinguish between thoughts and instincts. Um, but I do find that when I really sort of sit down or when it's really important and sort of meditate in a moment, I am pretty good at connecting with my gut instinct. And it's something that I'm grateful for that. I've always felt that my gut has led me towards, um, towards, The right direction more or less or what I feel is right for me anyhow um Mm. so yeah so I've definitely relied on that especially as I've gotten older uh that gut feeling and sort of rooting down into into your own personal truths I guess
0: Mm. knowing knowing yourself well enough to know That this is where I'm at in the process. In a previous conversation, you talked to me about um, an image of a staircase and the staircases of creativity. And I just wonder if we can just touch into your own creative process at this point and the things that you have come to know about how, how you access your deepest creativity.
1: Yeah, so I, I guess I mentioned that I feel that growth, especially in a creative sense, or any kind of growth, I think this was something my father had said to me when I was younger, it comes in spurts. And any kind of growth, both physically and sort of beyond physical, comes often comes in spurts. So we say growth spurts. And I believe that's the same for creativity, that we have, um, it's like a staircase where you have this sudden, um spurt of growth going up and then all of a sudden you plateau for whatever reason that is I'm I'm not entirely sure um but I do definitely believe that when it comes to creating art that I think you um you need a space a plateau to live you need a space to absorb your environment what's happening around you what you're feeling what you're expressing um and then to digest that, and then once you've digested that, you kind of get into a momentum of creation, and um, that's how I've what I've observed in my own personal life. Anyhow, that a lot of people talk about when it comes to being productive, there's a lot of sort of self-help knowledge these days that talks about setting a routine and making sure you stick to that. And there's definitely value to routines and value to sort of practicing every day and that kind of, um, mentality. But I find that that's less applicable when you're working with something creative, Uh, at least personally. And with many creatives that I know that it doesn't happen as a structured routine. And I don't think it can, I think you can create routines for other things like building skills, but routines don't quite work the same way when it comes to creation or creative art. Um, You, You usually, when you do start creating, there is a momentum and often as many um, sort of artistic geniuses will talk about how they just can't stop once they've gotten started and they'll, they'll barely sleep and they'll go on into wee hours of the morning or whatever it is. Um, And because they've gotten that into that flow, I guess, um, they've got into that state of flow and they can't stop. But And then sometimes you're not in that state of flow. And that is what I think is that space that you need, that plateau to absorb and digest and, and come back to the earth and try to experience what it is that you want to experience so that you can create good art.
0: Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and again, uh, what, what's coming through in, in my conversations with other creatives is that sense of, with each circle around the sun, there is just the acknowledgement, or each ring around the tree, there's just the acknowledgement that um, there is a unique season that, that that each each of us have. And 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 yes, there's a structure around that. But so it's interesting to hear, because I've heard almost the exact same thing not so long ago by another uh, pair of songwriters saying, yeah, I just, um, you know, I can't sit down on the clock and and uh and and know that my best work will come um, if I'm practicing something, yes, perhaps so so uh, it's it's lovely to hear that come back. I want to go back to the story uh from from folk life again for a moment there there's a moment where you you really step into and uh, and own the fabric that has been passed down to you that's your your image again and I was I was just so moved by the way you captured that moment of discovery and the deepening of awareness when you when you talk about the fabric as your own. And as I read it, I, I just, I, I, I really wanted to hear it in your voice. And I wonder, could I impose upon you just to share that one little section about sure. the fabric?
1: Um, let me find that section. I inherited this fabric of beliefs. Is that it? Mm, yeah, it okay. is. I inherited this fabric of beliefs woven by generations of women. The fabric is at once floral and tribal, muted and blazing, temperate and tropical, wild and withheld. It tells stories of not just one family line, but a constellation of them. It spreads out as a huge web wood, colored by an abundance of cultures, ethnic groups and belief systems. I cannot tell you which of the threads are fact and which are fable, but perhaps that isn't the point. This fabric is mine.
2: Hmm.
0: This fabric is mine. And if we all had the magazine in front of us, we would notice that that last four words are separated as their singular paragraph. Hmm. That yeah. was an intentional literary choice. But it spoke to me in a way that suggested that although this is a, um, something that you have come to know, there seemed to me also this this, this moment of awareness, this moment of, 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 it, of it locking in. Now is that just me imposing or did something has something shifted for you when you really embraced that sense of knowing?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you're right in, in extracting that uh, information. Um, I think a big part was being moving to here to Canada um, right before the pandemic and then having all this space to reflect. And there was just all sorts of just internal things coming uh, happening all at once where I was trying to deal with sort of different opinions and different points of view and different cultures merging all together. And it's, there's a lot of internal conflict that can come from that. Not knowing, hmm. I think we place a lot of, uh, I think we often try to separate things as right from wrong, black and white, or um, yeah, right from wrong and black and white are, are big ones where we're trying to put them in structures. And, and I think I finally had this epiphany moment where I realized that black and white are kind of illusions Um, when it comes to the human spectrum. Um, Mm. We rarely exist in those two colors. And so that's what I, that's, I guess, my epiphany moment, my big epiphany moment was that it doesn't exist and it's it's a spectrum and it's a fabric of many different colors. And to accept that is, was very healing for me, I guess, and so I guess this article was a, a big personal healing moment. it was a little bit therapeutic on my part um, that you don't there is no right and wrong when you're trying to um, when you're trying to really understand that when it comes to your own personal history it's a lot more difficult because there will be conflicting ideas there will be people on one side of your Family or one side of your culture history that say this, and the, and on the other side they say the opposite, and and feel very strongly about it, and it's conflicting on a personal level. So how do you reconcile those ideas? So that yeah. was a big part of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think you so beautifully have captured even in 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 that that you've just said about this sense of black and white but also knowing and not knowing and, and that both have their place in our journey Yeah,
1: absolutely. what you have
0: written um and what i just heard you say um <laughs> was it difficult to put put that out into the world knowing that your family might might read it and might have differing opinions
1: about how, <laughs> yeah, how the story goes <laughs> Absolutely. I don't think I've really actually um, promoted the article very much as a result um, because of that, because it was extremely personal. And I think um, I struggle with this and I really admire artists who are able to be so vulnerable um, because I do think that makes the best art um, is when you really are able to open up a certain aspect of you. And so that's what I definitely did in this, and it was yes, it was a little bit um unnerving to share that with people
0: well, sorry, it's out in the hair salons now <laughs> <laughs> so unless your family all cut their own hair, I mean they're going to pick it up <laughs> and I say that with the uh, I say that with with the desire to also offer back to you um that it spoke to me powerfully because it was coming from you personally. And, and I, I didn't know who you were. So it's like picking up a, a book from anywhere. It's like picking up a, 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 you know, picking up a CD. I was about to say an album for goodness sakes and date me, but, you know, <laughs> just, just allowing Apple music to toss a suggestion at you, that sense of, wow, um, that deep art hits us universally only, only I think when it comes from the, from the very intimate and, and specific truth. So I thank you.
1: Thank you. I I agree. And I think that's why structure doesn't really work in um, artistic creation is because structure has its place for certain things, like you said, for practicing um, for developing a skill, but um, to apply such a mental structure to something that is, really, uh, almost spiritual moment. Um, it's, doesn't quite work.
0: So as you said in 2020, just before the pandemic, I think like early 2020, or maybe, you know, just when things were starting to, to get wobbly, you make the choice to leave the world stage and move to salt spring Island in the middle of the beautiful Salish sea. I kind of sense, and we haven't talked about this, but I sense that the choice was not by chance. So, can you talk to me about what what brought you there, and what that is now? What why this is now feeling like home?
1: Um, yeah, so multiple reasons. I I was brought because of my partner, um, and mm. he moved here for work, and I. But it was. Also very serendipitous when we made when he made this choice and I consequently made this choice um, because I was definitely looking for a place to root myself. Um, I had been working as a touring artist. I did a lot of cruise ships, for example, and I was working nonstop on tour, basically. So I was taking up to seventy flights a year. Um, And I was just go, 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 go for about, that was how it was for four years, nonstop. I was never in a country for longer than three weeks. That three weeks was a long time for me to be in one place. And so it was exhausting physically and mentally and emotionally, but more, more than that, I mean, I definitely look back at this time with a lot of gratitude. It was I learned a lot. It was very fun. It was great for my professional development. But also, you know it has a time limit. Those sorts of periods of your life, they have a time frame, and if you exceed them, um you're overstaying your welcome. And I knew mm-hmm. I was reaching that point where I was overstaying my welcome, and I was, looking to root myself in a community because what happens when you do live that kind of life is, well, it gets very lonely for one, because I was mostly traveling on my own. Um, and it, you lose, you lose a sense of, well, community. And I value that very much. I come, I grew up, most of my childhood was spent in a very communal culture, a communal Asian culture. So I really craved for that. Um, And I really, I just, yeah, I really craved for that. And I knew that I needed to root myself in one place and to make the effort to experience that kind of life as an adult. And so that was a conscious decision. And so it was a great uh, confluence of events with my partner choosing to do this. And so I followed suit and, um, It was definitely a conscious decision and it was me following my gut because I was giving up, you know, a steady stream of income that many people wouldn't have at that stage. And it turned out to be a really good decision because I made the move. Probably my last um, event was the last week of January of 2020. And then in February, everything sort of collapsed.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially in, especially on the waters. If you were still, if if, if were you on the cruise ships at that time? It was that. Was that uh, last? I was.
1: Yeah, the last week of January, I almost got stuck on a cruise ship, and I was just very lucky that they happened to. The moment that things started shutting down, they were actually in port in Manila Bay in the Philippines, okay. and because I have two passports, I was able to disembark off the ship in the Philippines as a Filipino. Otherwise. Mm-hmm may have been stuck for several weeks if not more um, right. because people weren't able to go anywhere
0: yeah we all know how that mm-hmm. all know how that story well we don't all know intimately how that story went uh, but and and thank goodness for that but yes so what i'm aware is that this time this this quieting if you will coming coming off of that 70 flights uh, a year schedule to a relatively small island uh, off, small, off the west yeah. coast pretty small <laughs> there are smaller i know yeah but it's it's brought it's brought you back to songwriting and again i just say back not backwards but to a to an echo of a time when when you found yourself asking the question what am i now doing with myself so how's that question serving you now
1: um, it's been really good. I mean, there obviously have been moments of difficulty um, adjusting from such stark contrasts of of lifestyles. Um, I lived mostly in big cities, I mean where i'm I was traveling all over the world, but I was based out of Manila, which is uh, maybe 20 million people um, more Um, and then coming to an island with 10,000 people uh, rural and sparsely distributed Um, so yeah it was definitely a huge lifestyle change and that comes with its difficulties uh, no matter what but I I do have a mindset of uh, I, I, I'm pretty resilient in the sense that I know that when you have these sort of moments of difficulties, you usually get something good out of it. Um, doesn't mean that you have to st- stick with them forever, but you have to stick with them long enough to sort of see what kind of lessons you can learn from them, I guess, or to see whether it will work out and you really will enjoy whatever f- phase you're in. And so I was pretty committed to that. And so, um, It definitely was a quieting, but it was a quieting I had asked for. It was a space of reflection, and it was a space to bring me back to my creative side because when you're on the go all the time and thinking about different aspects of your career, like the financial aspects and sort of building that, um, it is very difficult to be genuinely creative, because once you start thinking about numbers and, as I said, structure, um, it kind of uh, destroys the sense of flow that I think you need when you are trying to be creative. And I think a, creation requires, yeah, space. It requires a sort of meditative period for you to absorb and digest and that's definitely what this period has given me and, and is still giving me. And I've rediscovered certain aspects like um, like creative writing, which I started doing. And I've really started, really been genuinely enjoying that and, um, and growing in different aspects of my creative abilities.
0: Hmm. And what are you learning? What are, you, you mentioned earlier, whenever you, whenever you get one of these opportunities, um, you got to stick with it long enough to discover what the lessons are and what you're, what you're, what you're newly falling in love with. So is there, is there, is there something that you have learned for new, right. By coming here.
1: I, it's still a process for sure. But I think what I'm learning a lot is um, I'm definitely learning to enjoy my art more. I, I think, I, I don't know if I mentioned in my last conversation with you, the concept of an amateur. I'm really enjoying approaching art from the concept of just enjoying it and not thinking about the end result as much. Um, I think there's a lot of beauty to that. And I think I had lost that a little bit. When you get into the role of being this sort of high-functioning professional, You do there is a tendency to lose a bit of that that uh, zest for life and that spark that you should have with your art. Um, especially something as enjoyable as music and performing. It's, it's beautiful, but you can get lost in other aspects of it. So I'm rediscovering that. And I'm, and without trying to sound too cliche, cliche, I think I'm rediscovering my voice because it's very easy. You know, my voice isn't who I am as an artist. Um, And I think I'm allowing myself to be a little bit more honest about with my artistic output because it is especially because I come from a world of classical music, which is very heavily ingrained in training and structure and technique. Um, You forget. It's easy to forget about the personal artistic aspects of art creation and so I'm really delving and going back into that and it's ex- just exploring and experimenting. And I think that's really valuable.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> and I love that idea of, of beginning, beginning again, giving yourself the permission to not know, um, and, and embracing the amateur or, or, and again i say it and and then i even catch myself there's so there's so much that uh, around that word that's packed with less than that, you know that that is not is is it, it's on the way to something better but i love that we're honoring the the spirit of the amateur as the wide-eyed possibility maker the, the i don't know any better therefore i get to do this that or the other thing I used to work with um, one of the most amazing young artists, uh, high school theater artists, and I'll never forget an audience member saying upon leaving a production, saying, "How are these? How are these kids so good at what they're doing?" And and you know, I I took the compliment on their behalf, but really, what dropped in for me was they. And it isn't that they don't know better, but that they don't have to worry about the business of this Mm -hmm. is the thing that they love most in the world in this moment. And it might be for some of them the last time they ever get to do it. And I thought in that moment, oh, how could the professional world be imbued with that sense of it's the first and only time that I may ever get to do the thing I most love. So here I go. And I—that's I, how I see and sense what I'm. Absolutely, using. I mean,
1: there's—I can't remember who said this, but there's a famous quote: the best way to ruin your passion is to make it your profession. Mm. And I think there's so much truth to that. And I love the idea of a young person exploring um, art for the first time. And I have a niece who is in, heavily involved in musical theater. She's done amazing things. She's only 13 now, mm. and it's so nice to watch her her energy and spirit and she's very talented. Yes. But more than that, like she just has that love that I felt. Oh, I had that once. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's inspiring to see that energy. It's contagious and people want to see that, especially when they're watching someone live. Most especially, they want to see that energy. They want to connect with that. It makes them feel young. Um, It makes them feel like, oh, the world is my oyster and there's just still so much to discover. And um, I think it's really important when you get to a phase when you are feeling a bit run down and a bit burnt out. um, I think it's really important to find a way to go back to that and to revive that sense of truly the love of.
0: Yeah. The power of remembrance in a, in a deep and grounding way.
1: Uh, There's a, this. so.
0: Uh,
1: oh, I was just yeah, going to mention a fame, like uh, one of the quotes that has stayed with me throughout my life. Um, it's a T.S. Eliot quote, I think. And it talks about, we shall not cease from exploration. And at the end of all our exploring is to be, is to arrive at, to arrive where we started and know that place for the very first time. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah.
0: love that that circle back that weaving on the loom yeah wow and you get to see it and you know from my perspective now being you know being grateful for every every day that I get to be with my grandson um, uh, again it's the gift that a parent experiences of seeing through the child's eyes at the world for the very first time it's lovely so 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 this whole conversation feels wrapped around by the by the word and the essence of home for me. So it it it's this this is maybe the, the easiest way to drop into this songwriting adventure that you have embraced now, coming back and releasing your first EP, which is called Finding North. And I want to talk about that,
1: mm-hmm. but which
0: also features this beautiful song. Uh, one of a number of them, but one of the, the, the newer pieces uh, that, you, that you have titled Home Won't Set Me Free.
2: So far away, where love was lost and love was lost, and time has left her gray. How to love a place called home as stubborn as the sea? No matter where I go in life, she has her hold on me. i
0: Tell us a little bit about that song and where that lives in you.
1: Um, yeah, that was definitely a song that I definitely goes side by side with this article from Folk Life because it has there are a lot of parallelisms with that and about um, digesting a lot about your home and where you come from and um, really coming to know it in a new way as an adult. And that's, I guess that's what I was going through at that time when I was writing this article and writing that song and producing that music. Um, It was a very reflective period that had a lot to do with digesting my own personal history. And, um, and I think a lot of people can relate to that at one point in their life where they're trying to digest whatever it is from their childhood or from their home um, that they haven't fully digested yet. So Home Won't Set Me Free is, is really about knowing that this part of me will always be a part of me. It will always, and it's always shaped me. And for it may not be perfect, this, this concept or this home that I come from, but it is powerful and it's beautiful and it's made me who I am in this unique way. And that should be honored too. And I, like, and I will always, always sort of um, refer back to it as this beautiful and powerful thing because it's a part of me. It's a big part mm. of me.
0: That's lovely. And the title of the, of the EP, Finding North. So is, that, it is, is it simplistic to suggest in my mind that that's a reference to a compass point, to finding your true north?
1: Uh, not at all. I, I mean, that is definitely an aspect of it. It had multiple meanings, which is why I like the the concept. Um, it is. It was finding my. Oh, well, re- redirecting. I guess so. I was redirecting. Well, where do I really want to go with my life, and what do I really value at this time of my life? Um, and that was finding north. And also, it was about me literally coming north and experiencing this part. And I'd always wanted to um, spend time really in my fatherland, um, which is Canada, and to really get to know that side of myself and that side of my ancestry. And um, and so it has all these multiple meanings and trying to understand this aspect of me. I've always felt that I was a, um, as is evident in the article, that I was a really East meets, East meets West, um, at the crux of, of this sort of juxtaposition of, of ideologies and cultures. And, mm. and, um, and I was always trying to understand that about myself because I never quite felt that I fit in, in either part of the world. So it's about rediscovering that those aspects of myself.
0: That's lovely. And are you are you finding stages to perform on uh, at home now on the island, uh, the upcoming season of sorts? Or or is that? Where, Not where is quite. I'm actually
1: six months pregnant now. So <laughs> yeah,
0: finding a new north.
1: The the performing has been, I've done a little bit of performing, but it has, will have to be put on hold for a little bit. So there Mm -hmm. is a lot of, um, yeah, (laughs) grounding in that aspect. Uh, And I'm just been really enjoying the, um, the writing aspect of my life at this moment. It's been a new discovery. I had always written um, growing up and I, and I did write music and also Um, I did go to school very briefly for, uh, journalism, which I didn't finish, but I was, I'd always loved that aspect of creation. And so now I'm rediscovering that and it's been really exciting and, and, um, fulfilling, I guess is the right word.
0: Well, well, congratulations. That's lovely. And, and I'm going to use that to bridge into the final question that I have for you and, This is how I've been ending these conversations. I'm going to invite us to take an imaginative journey many years from now. And it's lovely that you've said that there's there's a new life coming forward. You find yourself somewhere like a fly on the wall, and we're talking like generations beyond. So you may not any longer be here physically on the earth, but you hear a young woman sitting alone and composing the lyrics to a song about a woman named Lena. That she has only heard stories told down to her. What words do you hope you hear?
1: Oh, well, I hope um, when someone looks back at my life, on my life, whether myself or someone else, that they find someone, they see someone who really tried to experience life and different aspects of life and different aspects of emotions and really embrace the different phases of her life, which is why I moved here is because I knew that I had overstayed my welcome or was about to overstay my welcome in my previous phase of my, in the previous phase of my life. And I was ready for something new and ready to learn something new and ready to incorporate new things into my um, own personal journey. And I, um, I think if there's one thing I'm proud of with my own personal choices is that I've been pretty brave about, as I said, going with my gut and knowing that it's time to let go of one phase and to move on to the next phase, because I think that's what life is all about. It's really embracing the seasons, embracing the different aspects of of life. What else is there? I don't feel the need to pound at something forever. I want to experience everything. And, And I hope that other people do too
0: that's lovely. So again, honoring that sense of the power of your words and your poetry. When you close your eyes or take a breath and you think about that song that's being written about Lena.
1: Mm, that's a hard one. Can't think of the title because that would require a lot of reflection to to do something poetic, but I would say it would have to be something about to live or experience. And those would be the Big words.
0: Nice. That's lovely. Thank you. This is this is this has been a, a lovely way to uh, w- way to spend this time this morning. But also, um, this is the end of my first season of these conversations, and uh, and it just feels like it's a lovely place to. Put it down for for a bit of time for reflection over the summer, and uh, you've been uh, you've just been delightful to to meet and and to get to know. And I wish you all the best as you journey into your next phase.
1: Thank you so much. It's been such a nice um, conversation, and equally just really nice to talk about the creative experience. It's always very uh, rejuvenating.
0: That brings our first season of Ellipses Thinking to a close. When I began this podcast, I entered as Lena just referred to, with the freedom of the beginner, to lean into curiosity with the trust that a simple question would drive the conversations forward. It was my intention to introduce to a community of listeners a group of people that I hoped would be as intriguing to them as they were to me. In all honesty, I held some reservations about the whole idea And then a dear friend, in fact, my first guest, Valerie McIntyre Baird, invited me to consider how it might feel to simply approach it as an experiment. And another friend and colleague asked early on in the process two powerful questions. How will I know that the experiment is working? Followed by, how will I know that the conversation that needed to be had was... Those conversations live on blue sticky notes inside my show binder, and although I saw them every time I began preparations for another episode, I knew that these two powerful questions would need to remain open, supporting me in my direction while waiting to be answered only once I had time for deeper reflection. And so, in the next few months, I have chosen to honor the essence of ellipsis thinking and drop into the spaces between to reflect upon my discoveries and consider how they might move me and these conversations forward. Before I close, though, I want to offer gratitude to the 15 remarkable people that I had the pleasure of learning from in our first 12 episodes. They brought themselves into our shared space with their own curiosity, vulnerability, and great generosity. I look forward to revisiting our conversations to draw themes forward that I suspect might inform our next season. I also want to offer thanks to my son Jordan for his tenacious encouragement and support from the producer's chair. If you have enjoyed even one of these episodes, I hope you will consider sharing the show with your own curiosity community. And I'll see you back here in the fall. Ellipses Thinking is a proud member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It is produced by Jordan Dollar coltman and Greg Dollar coltman You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. As a resident of Vancouver Island, I wish to acknowledge that I am a visitor on the traditional lands of the Coast Salish people, including the territories of the Snonoas and Qualicum people. The first peoples have been here for over ten thousand years, their ancestors still here with us in the sky, the land, the ocean, and all of the beings that share this sacred place. As a settler, I gratefully embrace the opportunities for growth as integral to my personal journey of collaboration and reconciliation as I learn and further support the possibilities that lay ahead. I remain committed to
1: practicing my craft in a decolonized space.